2, 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And 2 Samuel 7, 22 says, How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. And there is no God but you. Believe 
days of Elijah this morning. Thank you very much to the team for accommodating my bizarre request, but I promise I had a reason for it. Uh, we're going to dive into a quick message, run the race, why I feel like this summarizes the year for us. Uh, if you recall last year, we just simply described the year 2022 as exciting, excited. This year uh, in praying and reflecting, I, I really feel like this is where we are. And I feel like the days of Elijah speaks to that. And so before we dive in, please join me in a quick word of prayer. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that there is no one like Jehovah. Uh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful praise to sing out. What a beautiful testimony to remind one another of. Uh, Lord, may that be may that be what fills us with hope and joy and strength and peace and courage every day. In this time, may you be magnified, may you be glorified, may your church be sharpened and sanctified. Make us holier, Lord, always make us holier. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, the story of how Robin Mark wrote the days of Elijah is fascinating. First, he wrote it in 30 minutes. In between, he was at a church where they had two services in the morning, and he was praying about it the night before, two days before, and I'll get to why, but he wrote that song in 30 minutes. That's got to be like the best 30 minutes ever uh, to give us that. But this is how Robin Mark came up with that song. He says, first and foremost, it's general, and these are his own words. Like, this is not in, this, this is him writing this, because so many people have asked, hey, where did that song come from? And Robin Mark says, first and foremost, the song is generally and principally a song of hope. And it came about, it was 1994, uh, and he was sitting in his apartment house, but he was watching, uh, he, he's over, he lives in the UK. Robin Mark lives in the UK. And the BBC every year, at the end of the year, does a big This Year in Review, and it's, you know, a massive televised event. And so he's watching the This Year in Review. And he says, firstly, the song came from watching a television review of the year at the end of 94. It was the year of the Rwandan tragedy, the Rwandan genocide. The war had been raging in Northern Ireland for a long time. There was famine in the world. And Robin Mark, he says, as I watched the review unfold, I found myself despairing about the state of the world and in prayer began asking God if he was really in control and and tell me that he didn't write this in 2023 and how many of us have said these words, what sort of days were we living in? I mean, do we really think that difficulty is new and unique to us? Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And so Robin Mark is watching the year in review unfold and he's saying, God, are, are you in, like, what sort of world are we living in? What days are we in? I felt in my spirit that he replied to my prayer by saying that indeed he was very much in control and that the days we were living in were special times when he would require Christians to be filled with integrity and to stand up for him just like Elijah did with the prophets of Baal. These are Elijah days. Elijah's story is in the book of Kings and you can read how he felt isolated and alone in the culture in which he lived, but God told him to stand up and speak for him. He goes on and he, he talks verse by verse, breaks it down. He says, finally, the days of the harvest point towards what is the purpose of the Christian to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. 
That's been the purpose from day one. That has not changed. And he says, how do you express the sense that these might be days not of failure and of submission, but of the sort of resilient, declaring trust and hope that Elijah had in his God? That these are not days of God stepping back and allowing the world and the church to roll uncontrolled towards eternity, but rather days when he is calling on his body to make a stand, to offer right praises, and to declare that he is totally in control. Well, I reckon you may write the words, these are the days of Elijah, and these are the days of David. Look, I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it because I want to eradicate it. I'm tired of Christians asking, oh my goodness, what, what's wrong with the world? The same thing that's always been wrong with the world. Sin. Are you surprised by it? Oh, what sort of days are we living in? Well, we're living in the exact same sort of days that Elijah lived in, that David lived in, that Moses lived in that God's people have always lived in. So what are we called to do? We're called to run the race. It's that simple. It's not complicated. We make it complicated. Consider a marathon. There are times in a marathon where you're really wearied. If you talk to anybody who runs long distances, they know going into it, hey, there are going to be like walls that you just have to push through because you're going to want to quit. Your body is going to want to quit. You're going to hit that mile 17. If you talk to Kyle Hedrick, who runs like 120 mile races, right? Like you're going to want to quit at times in marathons. It's going to feel like it's too much. It's going to feel like you can't go one more step. It's going to feel like you're exhausted. Okay, all I want to do is just curl up on the side. There are times where it's wearying. But then you also talk to people who do this, and even I think of, of different things that I've done, and there are times where it's also invigorating. And you feel that burst of energy, and you're excited to keep going, and you can't wait to go one more mile. And if we just focus on the invigorating parts, if we deny that there are ever times where it's wearying, if we deny that there are ever times where it's exhausting and it's hard and we want to quit, well then, that's not healthy to just repress all of that and pretend like it's not there. Hey, how you doing? Every day, great. Really, you've never had anything hard? You've, you've never had anything that's made you wanna just slam the door on the world? So we can't just be dishonest and disingenuous and pretend like there aren't times where running a race is hard and it's wearying. We have gone through some of those times this year. We have had two different positions of staff change. Those things are not invigorating. Those things add emotional weariness, mental weariness. It takes a toll on a body. I get that. We have gone through denominational change. That, I mean, that was not a fun process. That was not like a lot of giggles and laughter. That was hard. That was emotionally wearying. That was mentally wearying. It's okay to acknowledge this. But there have been so many things this year that are also invigorating. And see, if we just focus on the weariness, if we just stay mired in the weariness, if we deny that there are ever things that invigorate us, if we never look for the things that are invigorating, well, now we're just stuck in a spiral of cynicism and bitterness. Hey, how you doing? Every day is the worst. Well, okay, have you ever heard of a thing called the joy of the Lord? Peace that passes understanding? exaltation in him, right? So like a healthy church, a healthy individual believer has to be able to acknowledge there are wearying times, 
but then they also shouldn't be so immature that they refuse to acknowledge that there are invigorating times. And the call in all of it is the same. Run the race. Several years ago, God opened the door. The elders extended the invitation. My wife and I joyfully got to accept to come here and pastor this church. And I started January of 2020, which was somehow the easiest year so far. And I didn't do a Vision Sunday. I didn't, we didn't do a big Vision Sunday in January. We didn't give out any little trinkets with a word typed on it or anything like that. And everybody's like, okay, it's his first month. And then we got like four or five months in and we still hadn't had a Vision Sunday. And we're like, does, he, does he understand how church works? Like at the start of the year, you have a Vision Sunday for the year. And then we got into 2021 and we still hadn't done a Vision Sunday. And now people are really like, uh-oh. What's going on? Why haven't we received our little thing with the word and the phrase that we're supposed to memorize for this year? And I told when we finally had it, it was, I think, March or April, the end of March, beginning of April of 2021, about a year and a quarter in, and I said, look, I've been praying about this for a long time. I've been bringing this to the elders. I've been bouncing about this because I don't think that the best way is to constantly be switching things up because God's call hasn't constantly switched up on the church. It always, it admittedly, it cracks me up when, when churches and Christians talk about like, well, we got to come up with a mission statement. No, hey, Jesus did. Matthew 28. Cool, cancel that board meeting. Stay at home. So, so the prayer that I was engaged in for that time that I brought to the elders, that the elders prayed about and were like, yeah, we believe this, we get this, this resonates with us, that we then bought, brought to you and we asked you to pray about it and to choose, okay, will you accept this call is one that, guys, I am, I was convinced of relentless pursuit back in 2021. I am even more convinced of the foundational culture of relentless pursuit that must define the church. Do you know how many of my friends in ministry I've seen drop out over the years? I mean, good guys. Guys who are like, no, it's too much. I'm done. Do you know how many people have dropped out of the church over the years? They've gotten hurt one too many times by the church and they're like, enough, I'm done. Like, it's got to be relentless, not perfect. If you recall, when we introduced Relentless Pursuit, we said, we don't expect everybody to be in the same place. If you think of a marathon, Everybody starts at the starting line, but they don't all finish together, right? Like, it's not like everybody is running in perfect steps. So we don't expect everyone to be in the same place. We don't expect everyone to be moving at the same pace. We don't expect your pace to be continual the entire time. Mile 17 might be really easy, and you, you're running a four-and-a-half-minute mile. Mile 20 might be really hard, and you're running a nine-minute mile. That's okay. Life, life is going to ebb and flow like that. But relentless means we never stop moving. We never allow our sanctification to become stagnant. We never allow our walk with Christ to be back burner. We never allow our holiness, our pursuit of holiness to be pushed aside. Well, I'm just in a season of life right now where I'm not called to be growing in holiness. No, that doesn't apply. That's not true. We are relentlessly in pursuit of Christ. 
We are relentlessly in pursuit of conformity to his character. We are relentlessly in pursuit of his mission. We are relentlessly in pursuit of his bride, of loving one another deeper and deeper, of serving him, of reaching the lost. We have to be relentless in our pursuit of this because it's a race. And when we start saying, well, whoa, what days are we in? We're in the same days that God's people have always found themselves in. Days where we must be sanctified for our Lord. Listen to this scripture. Galatians 6, 9. You'll recognize these verses from our posters. Our, I mean, like, know these verses. Not in your head. Know these in your heart. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do you believe God tells the truth? Then God says, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Maybe that reaping happens on the day we die. I don't know. But I know that in due season, in his timing, we will reap if we do not give up. Consider Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I will never stop calling this church to run forward. Never. I'm just, I'm just, I was honest with the people who interviewed me back in 2019. I'm going to keep being honest with you guys. Never. I will never stop emphasizing these verses. If you're in a mile that's really hard, okay. Don't stop. Don't stop running. If you're in a mile that's going well, praise God. Keep going. If you're 83, may the year 84 be the best one of your life. If you're 14, guess what? The way you get experience is by running. None of us are excused from this. All of us who are believers are filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit and called to holiness. So church, press on. Do not grow weary. Do not wonder what days these are. Know what days these are. These are the days of Elijah, of David, of Moses. These are the days of the harvest. These are the days of Jesus' sovereignty. These are the days of the privilege and the joy of being the church. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't want to stroll across the finish line. I want to drag, actually I want Jesus to drag. 
I want Jesus to drag my exhausted, spent body across the finish line because I left it all on the course. Will you join us in that? One of our